are, we've grown up in the time whenever uh, advertisements have, have gone out, you know, the 15-minute meal, and, and, and uh, uh, McDonald's has, a, has the uh, uh, purpose that when you drive through the drive-thru, you're only in there a couple of minutes, and they time how fast an order comes in and, and how quickly it's filled. And we've gotten used to that kind of, of uh, give me what I need right now. Give me what I want. Give me what, what meets the... And, and the Lord is saying, slow down. He's not, the Lord is not saying speed up. The Lord is saying, wait a minute. Come and sit in my presence. Come and draw upon me. Come and learn of me. Come and, and visit with me and dwell with me and fellowship with me. And uh, uh, just culturally, that's a very difficult concept for us. We're, we're in a communication environment. We get, we get information exchanged very quickly, and, and uh, we've lost uh, the, the value of that personal touch and that moment of, of quietness and that solitude that in, in, wherein the deep things of God are expressed. And the Lord has begun to just, I just want to challenge you uh, as, as we uh, move toward the spring and the summer that there would come a desire in you or that you would cultivate a desire uh, in your quiet time before the Lord that you would not be hurried. There's, there's, there's a culture change that is coming where the Lord is saying that I am going to, I'm going to bless those who tarry in my presence, who wait for me. The Bible says wait for the Lord. In fact, the word tells us that when Jesus was explaining that he was going to come again, that there would be some individuals that would say, oh, he's not coming. All things remain as they are from the beginning. Nothing is, nothing is ever going to change. It's just, you know, the, and, and even the, the word of the Lord, the word says that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And it just begins to, to seem almost mundane. Oh, sun goes up, sun goes down. New day starts, that day ends, another one starts up, same job, different day. And we get in this routine experience. And the Lord is wanting us to find a way of solitude with him and quietness with him. He told, he told the apostles, and I'm not even on my message yet, I'm meddling, okay? But I just feel like I, I need to convey to you what I just kind of what I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Jesus said to the apostles and, and to the, the those who had gathered there at his ascension, go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait until you receive power, until you receive from me. Go and tarry and wait until I speak, until I move. And the Lord is, is going to change the culture in, in believers. It's going to change their culture. It doesn't fit with the culture of the age that we become a people who learn how to tarry in his presence, who learn how to wait on the Lord, who learn how to listen for the whisper of his voice, who determine, I'm, I'm going to walk with God, but I'm not moving one step further until I receive a word from him or until I receive strength from him or instruction from him. 
And so I just wanted to share that with you. I want to, um, I want to talk to you about John chapter 21, and there's some things that I believe the Spirit of the Lord would have uh, conveyed into your life out of this section of the Word of God. And then, uh, uh, so let's, let's look there. I want to read John chapter 21, verse 1, through about verse 9. After these things... Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias and in the way, uh, and this is the way that he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we're going with you. You're going fishing, I'm going fishing. They went out immediately and they got into a boat. And that night they caught nothing. Ever had one of those days? When the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And he called to them and he said, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find someone, some. And so they cast, and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved says to Peter, It is the Lord. Ah, they had a discovery, didn't they? It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in uh, in the boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. As soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals, and there was fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. The disciples at this point in time, let me just give you a little background to this uh, event. This was after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, he had, uh, he had uh, been with them a few times and he was beginning to speak into their life and, and beginning to tell them uh, that he was going to depart. And this was just prior to the ascension and he was spending a little bit of time with them and, and getting them ready for the assignment that was ahead of them. But we don't want to miss the culture in which they were living or the environment in which they were in because they had experienced one of the greatest dismays of their life. They understood or thought that Jesus would come and become a political leader and take over the throne of Jerusalem and cause a rebellion against Rome and establish Jerusalem again as a major power on the earth. And, and they had political aspirations. And whenever Jesus went to the cross, everything that they understood, everything that they hoped in their own mind, everything that they thought was supposed to work out wasn't quite the way that it seemed it should be. And they had experienced disappointment. They had experienced dismay. They had experienced denial. They had experienced frustration, the greatest sorrow that they had experienced. Their emotions had just been ripped from one direction to the other. And then Jesus is resurrected and shows himself to them and comes and speaks to them 
And now they're scratching their head going, how does this dead guy resurrected take over the throne and how does, all of, how does all of this work? And they're in a place of what, in, in human terms, first of all, they're just emotional wrecks. They've been up and down and, 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 uh, and back and forth. They're in, in frustration one moment and joy the next and, and back to frustration and he comes and he goes and, and, and they don't understand what is going on. And in that moment of not really understanding what's going to happen next, Peter defaults to his comfortable place. Peter says, I'm going fishing. That's one thing I know. I'm going to go back to what I know. The rest of this is so confusing to me, and I don't know what's happening, and I don't understand what's going on, but one thing I know how to do, I know how to fish. So I'm going to go get in that boat, and I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to the one thing that I know works. What are you saying? I'm going fishing. And the rest of them said, well, Peter, if you're going fishing, I'm going with you. You're not going to leave me out here by myself. Jesus isn't here. And all of our friends are scattered about. And things are confusing. I'm going with you. I'm going fishing. We have this great tendency in our life whenever, whenever God is doing a work in us and whenever he's moving us, especially toward... Th- these guys were being moved toward destiny. They were being moved toward their future. They were being moved toward their anointing. They were being moved toward their gifting. They were being moved toward a new covenant. They were being moved toward a new understanding of who God is. They were being moved toward a place of discovery of the Spirit of the Lord and facets of who God is that they'd never seen or understood and an assignment that would establish the church and change the nations. They were being moved toward that kind of an assignment. And just before, moments really in time, before God is going to show up on the scene and pour out in them his power and his anointing and deliver to them their assignment and launch them into their future, that was the point of the greatest confusion and the greatest frustration. And we, at the high point of frustration, need to gain an understanding that it is in the high point of frustration and it is in the moment when it would appear that everything is falling apart, that in God, everything is just about to come together. At the high point of frustration, when it would look like nothing is going right at all, for these guys. And everything that they had hoped for is gone, and everything that they had dreamed was going to happen doesn't look like it was supposed to. It doesn't look like it was supposed to look. You ever woke up one day and you looked at your life and you go, it's not supposed to look this way. This was not what I planned. I was actually hearing a news report. It was very encouraging to me, a news report this morning uh, of, of a woman that um, found herself single and uh, expecting a child and addicted to some kind of substance. And uh, some of you may have seen this. It was on on the news this morning. And uh, she found herself uh, uh, 
expecting and addicted and, and homeless and all of this situation had just piled in upon her life as a young woman. And she said she woke up one morning and she thought, my life is not supposed to be this way. And she found hope in the Lord. And in her putting her trust in God and beginning to move in the direction of her deliverance, This morning, the news report was that God had given her a house where she had, she's been meeting in coffee shops with ladies for two years, sharing with them her story of deliverance and telling them that they can be free. Meeting with women with addictions and women with food addictions and women with, with, with uh, uh, prior uh, abuses and all kinds of th- heavy things in their life that have brought them brokenness and frustration. And she's been meeting with them for two years in a coffee shop and, and speaking into their life and encouraging them to know Jesus and, and, and showing them how that they can be free. And all of a sudden now God's opened a door and she has a house and they meet together. She meets with women every week that are in trouble. And they showed a picture of her, ch- her son that's 14 years old, and she was talking about how God had established her life and was giving her the opportunity to speak into the life of others and bring to them the same freedom that she had found. It was on the news. I love that. Listen, goodness of God's going to be declared in the earth day after day after day. But it was a beautiful story. And she realized that at the point of her greatest frustration, was the moment in which God was getting ready to move and bring her into her promise. And I challenge you this morning, I don't know where, I, you know, I know most of you in this room to some degree, but I don't know the details of, of, of the secret places of your heart or the places of frustration that you may be living in, but these guys were in a place of confusion. And they did what so many of us do. They defaulted back to what was comfortable. And I want to encourage you that even if you find yourself in that place, well, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to go back and do what I know works. But even in that place, Jesus came and he met them. And when they first saw him on the shore, he sees them coming in and he's like, hey guys, have you caught anything? They're like, who's that? I'm always that guy in the grocery store. They're like, who's that guy talking to me? That's me. Who's that? Have you caught anything? No. Well, cast your net on the other side. That made no sense at all. It was not fishing time. It was time to go wash the nets. It wasn't time to catch. It was time to come in to shore. It made no sense at all to drop your nets one more time. The fish weren't supposed to be, they were supposed to be off looking for breakfast. (laughs) They weren't supposed to be there in a big old school waiting to be caught. It made no sense at all. In the minds of a fisherman, this isn't the right time to go fishing. I want to challenge you with something. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. They had fished at the time that, they were suppo- that you're supposed to get a catch. 
and they didn't get a catch. And, and first thing I want, to, want you to understand is that whenever you have had an encounter with God, you can return to what is familiar, but it will never work for you the same again. Defaulting to what is familiar for you who have had an encounter with Jesus Christ when you are walking with God, a default to what is familiar will only bring greater frustration. You will not find that it works the same for you anymore because God has a new plan for your life. God has something greater that he wants to do through you and in you. God has greater that he wants to accomplish in you and you defaulting back to what is familiar, will not, you will not find fruit in it. So they're out there and they're fishing and they, they can't figure out why that didn't work. So they went in discouragement and they're coming back in discouragement and empty-handed. And then Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Cast your net on the other side and you'll have a catch. Okay, I've been casting my net on this side of the boat all night long and catching nothing. And I'm going to go over here to this side of the boat in the morning and I'm going to catch fish? Does that make any sense at all? What's the difference between that side of the boat and this side of the boat? Nothing except obedience. Sometimes, it, it, it absolutely amazes me in, in walking with God that at times, whenever he's giving instruction to err from his instruction, even in the smallest, most minor adjustment, will affect the fruitfulness of the moment. Because he wants us to listen to his instruction. And he wants us to follow in it. And he wants to show us that his ways are higher than our ways. They really are. And that he knows a little more than we do. So he says, then cast your net on the other side. And so they cast their net on the other, uh, other side of the boat. And the scripture says that they caught so many fish that they couldn't bring the net back into the boat. They didn't have the strength to draw the net. So they had to just drag it back to shore. When you default to what is familiar, you will not find the same fruitfulness. And you need to begin to look around and see where Jesus is in that moment. And you need to begin to listen for his instruction in that moment because it is in that time of great frustration that he is waiting to meet with you, that he's waiting to give you some specific instruction and direction for your life that, that is about to lead you to the moment of, of great anointing and great change and great fruitfulness. I want you to know the, recognize the other thing from this passage of Scripture. This is a simple passage of Scripture. And they get to the shore. Jesus is already there. The fire is already lit. Fish already grilling. Hallelujah. Bread already prepared. They went out to find provision. And provision was waiting for them. Already prepared in the presence of Jesus. They went to look in their place that was familiar to them for provision. But because they had already walked with him, they'd already met with him, they'd already had an encounter with him, from that point on in their life, their place of provision was going to be the presence of Jesus. 
This is the thing that you, you need to know when, when you're invited to know Jesus. Nobody, I bet no one told you this when they were inviting you to come to Jesus. Once you meet with him, nothing will ever be the same. Good, bad, or indifferent. All the things that were familiar to you, the things that are in you that are your default position are no longer going to be fruitful as, as the place that you run whenever you are in trouble because the place that you are supposed to go when you are in trouble is to Jesus. And the provision for your future and the plan for your future and the design for your future and the design for your blessing is shut up in God's plan for you. And so when you run to, back to what is familiar, you find yourself scratching your head going, this doesn't work like it used to. This does not work like it used to. I used to be able to go fishing, get a catch, sell some fish, have provision. But God in his grace, it was, it was the, that was a grace, if ever there was a grace moment, when Jesus said to them, cast your net on the other side, and they were able to have this great catch, and they come dragging those nets into the shore, there was a grace moment in God that said, even in your default, back to your comfortable place, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to meet with you, and I'm still waiting on the shore. I'm still waiting for you. And I, and I love the zeal of Peter. Peter's so zealous. You know, he's the guy who walked on the water with Jesus. He's the guy who, who uh, pulled his sword and cut off the, the soldier's ear that was coming to arrest Jesus. He's the guy who said, I'll never deny you. I'll never, I'll never turn my back on you. I'll go with you all the way. And he's in this boat. And he recognizes that Jesus is on the shore. And it is Jesus who's hollering at them, have you caught anything? And it's Jesus who's saying, cast your net on the other side. And all of a sudden, that same good old zeal in Peter, God bless him, he jumps up and he says, you guys can row this boat in, I'm going to Jesus. And he jumps in the water and he swims to the shore with such a hunger in his heart. I was never, he, he's the one who took the boat out, remember? <laughs> and all of a sudden he had a moment of, what am I doing in this boat? Jesus is over there. Forget the boat. Y'all can keep the boat if you want the boat. You can keep the catch. I want Jesus. You can keep the boat. You can keep what's in the net. I'm going to shore. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he swims. Hallelujah. That's the, that's the way of saying amen right there. At least somebody's saying, preach it, Pastor. <laughs> if you're in a position right now where you, where you are somewhat unsure of what the future holds, you're in somewhat of a place of confusion, and there is a temptation in your heart to return to what is familiar, just the default place of going, getting to where it's comfortable. There's no, I'm not faulting you. I just want to make you aware. It's not going to have. It's not going to have the same. It's not going to be the same place of comfort anymore that it used to be. Peter used to go fishing to clear his head. It's not going to be that comfort zone anymore. The other thing I want you to know and probably the greatest caution that, that this story holds in it 
is that whenever you find yourself in a place of discouragement, what you decide to do, there are some others around you that are watching you. And when you say, I'm going back to my comfortable place, their response is, well, then I'm going with you. You have influence that you do not understand. And as a child of God, there are people who are listening to your voice and watching your life. And in that moment of discouragement, if they see you run anywhere other than to Jesus, they're running with you. So it's vitally important for you to understand that things will never be the same again. You've met Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. So when you are hopeless, the place that you go is Jesus. When you are helpless, the place that you go is Jesus. When you need understanding, the place that you go is Jesus. Whenever uh, you need encouragement, the place that you go is Jesus. And whenever you learn to say, no, 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 I'm going to Jesus. Oh, we're in trouble here. I'm going to Jesus. I don't know what to do. I'm going to Jesus. I I I need provision. I'm going to Jesus. I need wisdom. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to the Word. I'm going to prayer. Then the people around you who who are waiting to see what you're going to do, they begin to learn to do what you're doing, and you begin to lead a group of people that say, hey, when I'm in trouble, I'm I'm getting to Jesus. Church, that's what we're we're called to do. It's really simple. It's It's not complicated at all to walk with God, but we begin to be the kind of people who, no matter what happens, the answers are right here. Whatever you're facing, the answer's right here. The answer's in the Word of God. The answer's in in the presence of God. The answer's in prayer, taking the Word and taking uh, the time to go and find out what God has to say about your circumstance and about your situation. And you're going to find that Jesus is standing there. The fire's already lit. The provision is already there. The food is already there. The substance is already there. The supply is already there. And he's just waiting on shore saying, hey, what would you go over there for? I'm over here. Come on over here. He's waiting. For us to be the kind of people that run to him. Sometimes our default place is frustration. Sometimes our default place is anger. Sometimes our default place is is isolation. In fact, a lot of people, their default place is isolation. They just go hide out. But they're not hiding out in the presence of God. They're hiding out from. It's what Adam and Eve did whenever they sinned. They ran and they tried tried to hide from God. As though God would not know where they were. It's, it's really quite hilarious. I used to be the um, kind of person, I, I, I love solitude, I love quietness, I love all of our children, our family, but when they're all gone and I'm home alone, it's wonderful. It's a quiet place. But I used to hang out in, in, in solitude, and that was the enemy's time to come and to speak to me and to frustrate me and to tell me that I wasn't worth anything or that I was not going to, you know, God didn't want to talk to me. Who do you think you are? God won't have anything to do with you. All those things that you get, you know. Some people get that worse than others. But I learned that in that solitude place, that's, that's now the place. Me and God hang out there. The minute that I, I don't usually know ahead of time I'm going to be alone or, or it's going to be a quiet time. I've walked through the house a few times, realized everybody's gone. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love them, but they're, they're, they're at school and they're at work and they're here and they're there. Oh, thank you, Lord, come in this moment. And me and the Lord just have this great meeting time. It's just awesome. 
That's why my prayer time's in the middle of the night. I get up at 2, 3 in the morning, and I go in there, and it's so quiet. Not even the dog knows I'm up. <laughs> Me and Jesus. He wants to become your comfort zone. He wants to become your default. He wants to become the first place we go, not the last place we go. He wants to become the place that we turn before we make decisions. He wants to become the place that we turn to seek counsel before we seek counsel of anybody else. Generally speaking, when I go to someone for counsel, uh, especially when I go to, to my bishop or when I go to my overseers or when I go to my peers that, that, that I have a relationship with and that I seek counsel from uh, and that I submit uh, things to, by the time I get to them, I've already heard from the Lord what I believe he's saying. And, and I'm able to say to them, this is what I believe God is saying to me. How, how, does, how does that sound to you? Seldom ever am I going to them saying, I want you to tell me what you think I ought to do. I want to know what he thinks I ought to do. And then if I, if I, in obedience to the word of God, then I go to men and women of God that are around me and I say, I just want to lay this in front of you and I want you to tell me I have this assignment from the Lord. Or, uh, in fact, I'm working through one right now that I've been working through since October, this assignment from the Lord. And, and I, I kind of had it all written out and what I believe I heard, heard from the Lord and, and, and um, what I thought that, that the Lord was saying to me uh, because I am human, and sometimes I get these great ideas. And so I go to the elders, and I say, you guys, I have this idea, and I think this is what God is saying to me, and this is a sign that I think he's giving me, but, but I want to just put it in front of you, and I want you to tell me, have I had too much pizza? Am I, off, am I out of my mind here? Or, or does this really sound like something that God would be saying? It's really affirming when they say, Pastor, I think you've heard from the Lord. Sounds like God to me. Let's go for it. Let's move in that direction. So I'm in, this pro in a process right now where I'm just like, I think I've heard from the Lord, folks. Uh, I want you to tell me what, what, there's nothing wrong with seeking counsel unless the way that we're seeking counsel is we're going from place to place to place until we hear what we want to hear. That's not seeking counsel, that's shopping. Some of y'all love to shop. And some, some folks determine what they want to do and then they'll go from place to place to place until someone tells them what they want to hear. That's not seeking wise counsel. Yeah, manipulation, that's a good word. That's manipulation. And then when it all goes sideways, we're like, God, you said seek counsel, and I sought counsel. And the Lord's like, no, you didn't. You waited till you heard what you wanted to hear. But if you're unsure of the future, if you tend to return to what's familiar, after an encounter with Jesus, a return to the status quo will never produce in you what you need it to produce. Only coming to Jesus as your source, only coming to Jesus for his wisdom is going to produce what you need to be produced in your life. I want to read again Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 as you stand together this morning. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The next verse says, do not be wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Father, I pray for these people that are standing in front of me right now. I believe with all of my heart that you are a God who wants to be able to speak to us and that every person in this room has the potential to be a person who can hear your voice and know what you are saying to them. Not just corporately, Lord, but individually. It's so exciting, Lord, to understand that you care about the minute details of our life. Lord, it matters to you. Every decision that they are making, Lord, where they work, where they live, how their finances are fruitful, their health, their relationships. Lord, the word tells us that if, if, if you know when a bird falls from the sky, those little sparrows, they don't toil. They don't toil. They don't work to produce, but they are fed abundantly. And if you cared about them, how much more you care about the individuals that are standing in this room right now under the sound of my voice. Father, would you help us to develop in our heart the ability to run to you, that you would be our default, that you would become our comfortable place, and that we would learn to follow your instructions explicitly. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. Lord, we submit our understanding to you. You've already spoken to us earlier. I didn't even realize that till right this moment. And at the end of worship, you said that a spirit of wisdom and revelation was imparted today. Lord, I just affirm that again, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation is imparted into this room. Prayer teams are coming. I want them to be available to you uh, as we conclude this service. If you're here today and you find yourself in that place of, of concern, uh, in that place of dismay, if you're here in, under the sound of my voice this morning and you're facing decisions, uh, you're looking at circumstances or situations that you don't understand, the prayer teams are here. They'll agree with you and they will help you and walk with you and lead you instead of running to a default place, instead of running to that comfortable place, that you'll run to Jesus. You say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. If you're here today and you're learning to walk with Jesus or maybe you haven't made a, a commitment to him and you need to say, Lord, come into my heart, you need to come and, and talk to these folks that are up here and they'll pray with you and they'll help you understand how to receive that kind of relationship with Jesus.